Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. Howdy, Andy. Oh. <laughs> hey, Patrick. That's <laughs> uh, the new opening. That's the new well, opening. Well, how do you do, Andy? <laughs> I want to workshop that a little bit more. Yeah, you think so? Maybe. <laughs> do I sound enough like Barney Fife? I don't know who Barney Fife is. You know who Barney Fife is? No. Oh. That's what I was trying to go for, was like like a country Barney Fife. Like Mayberry? Do you know Mayberry? No. Do you know Andy? Uh... You're an Andy. You should know Andy. <laughs> I know. What's his name? Andy, uh... Is... What was the Andy name of the Griffith? show? Andy Griffith. Okay. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then Barney Fife was like... Okay. I don't know, Andy! What's going on, Andy? Gotcha. I sound exactly like him. You would know if you ever watched the show. And there's Aunt B and Gomer Pyle and Goober Pyle. You're really, Come on, man. You keep dating yourself every episode. <laughs> Dude, I watched it as a kid in reruns. The show was on in the 50s. I'm not that old. Are you sure? Yeah. Jeez, man. You're not sitting across the table from a 95-year-old guy. I'm not a World War II vet. No. Although that would be good because you're technically a millennial, right? Aren't you in the millennial range? Yeah, I am technically, yeah. I'm on and the I'm, edge of that range, but yeah. I'm are in. you on the top edge of that range mm-hmm. for millennials? Yeah. Because I'm on the bottom end of the Gen Xers, the forgotten, the forgotten generation. You guys aren't forgotten. And I agree with Bill Burr. Do you guys who, know, for, do you, who forgot about this? Do you know who Bill Burr is? We have OK Boomers and we have the Millennials, right? OK. <laughs> Gen X is right in the middle. There's like there's like a 25-year generation in there uh-huh. that is totally... We're oh, not even in the war. We're not even <laughs> in it. <laughs> so because nothing important happened to you guys, you guys were forgotten is all you're oh, saying. Oh, nothing important. Kurt Cobain died. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> nothing important happened. No. You guys, the the millennials are. This is what Bill Burr. Bill Burr has like a bit. Comedian Bill Burr has like a bit about okay. how how Gen X is in the middle, and <laughs> and we're not even in the war. Like you have <laughs> you have all the millennials firing off to the boomers, and you have all the boom boomers firing down to the millennials. Like if it wasn't for you, millennials, we'd be a better country. And then you have the millennials. If it wasn't for you, boomers, you should die, boomers. Mm-hmm. And then all the Gen X people are just in the middle, going <laughs> just shrugging their shoulders. Man? It sounds like you guys have it good. We haven't made, yeah. So I don't know why you're complaining about that, man. I didn't wasn't complaining. I was just it was okay. Good to the point. Yeah. I thought you were complaining. Well, that's good. Well, no, good for you. Complaining sounds Patrick. more like Andy. Why do we have to do the podcast again? <laughs> you did say that when I came in yeah. to the office today. Like really, every week we got to do this. Crap? And then you gave me a really weird weird accent starting <laughs> off the show. You're just like trying that's to. That's Barney Fife. <laughs> Trying to sabotage this whole thing because you're. Sick I'm just of it. trying to find a cover image for this next podcast. All right, <laughs> and I found Barney Fife, and I was like, he said, "Hey, Andy, a lot in that show." So I thought, yeah, okay. Andy will really enjoy this. Gotcha, man. That makes and then I did sense. it, and then you have no idea because you're just some dumb millennial. <laughs> yeah. You don't know anything about life. In my boomer generation, our parents fought in World War II, man. Mm-hmm. My. My parents fought in World War II. 
speaking of World War Three, are we in it right now? Did we? Uh, I think you just described World we War Three. Yeah. yeah, the millennials versus the the boomers. The boomers, and then my generation, the Xers, and there, there's are... this weird Gen Gen Y. Have you ever heard of that? Somebody brought that up to me. Uh, yeah, right? I don't know what Gen Y is though. Like what the age range is for Gen yeah, Y? Yeah, I think it's made up. <laughs> really. I think it's I think it's late I think it's early millennials that don't want to be a part of the millennial generation. Hmm. They're like, let's be Gen Y guys. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know who makes that stuff up. Anyway. I don't either. Yeah. We should figure that out. Should, speaking of making stuff up, what's our topic today, Andy? Mm, what's our topic today? Let's find out, Patrick. Our topic today, Patrick, comes from. Matt Bourne. Ooh, Matt Bourne. Matt Bourne. Yeah. This is a big one. So, how much responsibility do UX and PM bear for bringing people together compared to every other discipline? HR, operations, marketing, sales, etc. And level management execs. Who owns breaking down silos? Who owns educating about active empathy to drive decision making? Who are the best folks to partner with? It's like a thesis. Yeah. This is a cool question, though. Yeah. So we have... Go back. Read it again. Read it. Okay, read I'm going to read the first part here. of this. I'm not smart. <laughs> Here's the first part of this, because this is like kind of the meat <laughs> of it. So how much responsibility do UX and PMs bear for bringing people together compared to every other discipline? So we've talked about this on the podcast, Patrick. Like, yeah. As UX, we have to kind of evangelize design, evangelize like sharing this knowledge of the user across the company. But why do we, why does the product organization, like how much do we actually bear in doing that in terms of bringing everyone together, right? Like bringing everyone together in the sense of a company on, on point to bring customer value? I think so. And like bringing like, bringing knowledge together, I think, like information together so we can all work to create a good experience across the, the company. Yeah. Right. I think one part of that, I don't know if this is correct or not, Andy, but one part of that would be um, because we, because like a lot of, I would say the majority of UX people work on a product that is a product for users. Yeah. Would you say, would you say I'm incorrect in that? I would agree with that. I (laughs) I think, I think because most companies are product driven um, Mm -hmm. without a good product or without a solid product, you don't, you don't have a company. Yeah. Right, so like the companies we work for are product driven. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of holds the responsibility of of the designer to. Sorry, I totally said that wrong. I think it's the responsibility of the designer to hold people accountable to the customer value that we are providing. Okay. Right. So it's on it's on UX to hold people accountable for the experience, right? Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're trying to deliver customer value. Yes. Right. So like. Who who else in the organization is required to understand customer value? It's going to be PMs for the most part mm-hmm. and UX, right? That group of people. Absolutely. Not to say that everybody else isn't hired to do something to contribute to that, mm-hmm. contribute to that. But I think that's like part of our job duty, right? Yeah. So so what you're saying, how much went to, to his question, how much responsibility do UX and PM have? You're saying they have the majority of the responsibility to do this. I think it's in our job description, yeah. Okay. Um, This next question is, who owns breaking down those silos? 
don't think anybody owns that. I think that's a it's like a team <laughs> responsibility, right? I think so. I mean, it's because those silos are like organizational, right? Like it's something that someone's defining at the top level down. And I think I don't think design is breaking down silos. No. I think I think what we are doing though is like I think what he's alluding to is that we are we are going across the silos and trying to bring that that knowledge and information to to all of those other departments, right? But we're not exactly breaking them down. And I think what what breaking down sounds like is we all work on cross-functional teams with with a marketing <laughs> and a salesperson and um, you know all that sort of stuff, which which isn't exactly the case, right? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's design's responsibility. If any, if, if at any company, I think it's probably some sort of operations type role that would be more the ownership of that. Yeah. Not even like a cultural thing, but like because HR people operations that's kind of responsible more for like the culture and wellness of the company, right? Mm-hmm. From that, from a person standpoint, but I think. From a product and operation standpoint, some companies would have like an operating team yeah. to help facilitate cross-functional teams, help facilitate organizational structure, help CS talk with marketing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you think most companies have that, an operations team? Uh, here in Utah? That no. force, um, I don't know about force, but like, yeah, they get teams to actually work together because it's not something I've experienced. No. I think it's a byproduct of our tech culture here in Utah. Okay. Because how many how many companies are out here that are that are big enough companies to even facilitate the need for something like that? Yeah, I don't know. So I guess it sounds like it has to be a pretty a large organization that has to really large, have somebody yeah, larger. Yeah. I mean, you get a, you get to a startup uh, like what Canopy's a hundred and some. You could probably still, you could probably have or afford or had you know have value for somebody like that Mm -hmm. workfront's a lot bigger i would assume you've got somebody that's looking after operations maybe (laughs) i don't know i'm not sure i haven't experienced that i've seen more of that at bigger companies Mm -hmm. um i also think if it's gonna if you're in a startup it probably lands on the product management more than it lands on anybody else okay naturally okay because they're the ones talking to everyone else around the. That's true. Yeah, because they they are um, definitely going to be working a lot with sales and marketing, for example, and and all the other departments that that, re- that they need to in order yeah. to um, understand what's going on to make their decisions and also communicate what's new in the product, all that sort of stuff, which is definitely something that we're used to, of course. So. Um, I think diving into this a little bit more is that the first question is like, how much responsibility do UX and PMs bear for bringing people together? Um, I, w- I think it'd be interesting to dive into that a little bit more and to see like, how exactly we can t- take and really own that responsibility as, as UX. Um, because, you know, it's easy to say that we, we want to share that experience across all these organizations, <laughs> but how do you actually do it? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast, Patrick. Um, but if let's say I am at a company that's probably not doing this well, um, so that they, these, these siloed organizations or departments in a company 
um, probably aren't getting a lot of what you are getting um, or hearing from the users in terms of what you're testing or discovering. Um, how do you actually share that across the organization? Um, what would be <laughs> your thoughts on that, Patrick? <laughs> uh, that's something that I personally struggle with, uh, Mr. Andy. <laughs> I think that's something recently that's come to light with me here is like, I think I feel like I've been waiting for the invitation to do that. Uh huh. I've been okay. waiting for somebody else to invite me to the party for that. Okay. When really I should be doing it, and that's the that's the reason why it's not happening. Yeah. So it, it like that's what I mean. Like when we were talking about it earlier, I think that's the thing that I've realized is like, it's it's actually our requirement to to do that, and we shouldn't be waiting for product. We shouldn't be waiting for development. We shouldn't be waiting for our managers to tell us we need to do that like i think we just should do it because if we wait for it it's probably not gonna happen it's not, it's not gonna happen if we're gonna wait for marketing to be like we want to talk to you guys about this thing they're not yeah. gonna do that they're just right. gonna do their thing right yeah they're gonna do their thing and i think that's the thing that i've been struggling with is not even like i feel like i'm a team player do you, i mean i think we're both team players as far as like uh -huh. being on the team but then as far as like leading that cross-functional effort or leading that getting you know facilitating everybody on the same page and everybody owning the thing effort yeah i think i'm not i think i wait to be invited to that and I, i'm like well but oh shoot it's it's actually me that should be facilitating that not development not product not any of those other things it should yeah. be me doing it and why am i not doing it am i like, am I scared of doing it? Am I scared of talking to people? Do I not have time to do it? Do yeah. I feel like I'm... I think from a design, from an individual contributor level of, like, that's that's your requirement, um, I think you just... I think sometimes you don't feel like you have time to do it. That's what I was going to say, too. Because I think, like, what, what I first imagine that looking like is you as a designer, like, your first step is, like, creating a meeting <laughs> where a bunch of people come to... Um, <laughs> everyone loves meetings in the first place. Um, so it could be a meeting that potentially wastes a lot of people's time. Um, so I think it's either something like that where you have this meeting where you're like going over this information over and over and talking together about how you do this, which is like a huge effort just to even organize the meeting itself. Um, I think another way that you would go about doing this is creating relationships with the right people in all of those departments, Yeah, which that's also a lot of work. Um, and something that you might not know how to do exactly because you have to deal with different people in different ways. Um, so like who's the right person to talk to in the first place? How do you go about talking to them and, and what is the information that you're sharing back and forth? Um, and how do you create something that's an, that's an, on an ongoing cadence? Like it's, it's really hard to do that. So I think I totally agree with you that when you first like think about like this, it's just way too overwhelming. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And maybe I'll send out like an email or something. I don't know. But. Well, and as you know, Andy, relationships are long-term effort. They are, Patrick. Daily, long-term effort, sacrifice, everything else, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's part of it. <laughs> I think that's like a big part of it. Like, I just remember, like lately I've had this weird sort of like... Um, I don't know, like this weird kind of come to Jesus for me. Other people have given me this lately. Okay. Um, but like as a manager of a team, I was always really good about like walking around to my de designers and trying to build relationships with each one of them, right? Mm -hmm. 
and being like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of time every day to like start getting to know people, like walk over, ask them how they're doing or talk to them at their desk or like bump into the hallway and ask them about the weekend or whatever. Right. And then you, you start off that way kind of purposefully. Yeah. And then after a couple of times, it just becomes easier. Right. Yeah. And it's like, then you're not thinking like consciously, like when I first started out, it was like a calendar. I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this, Andy, it was like a calendar event. <laughs> Every morning to walk around and talk to the to each designer. Patrick, I don't know if you talk to me every day though. I know, but we were always tight. We I don't. I don't good. think we you did. I feel left we out now, good. man. We were always good, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, this this is okay. Well, I, it was like I can't talk to him every day. Why don't we start a podcast saw, with him? You saw the calendar fight for Andy. You're like, eh. <laughs> he's fine. We're we're tight. We're good. I'll talk <laughs> no, to him next Tuesday. No, but it's like it's like you start. <laughs> It's like you start little by little, just like going over and asking that person a question, yeah, or whatever. It's not like it's not like I came over to you. I didn't want to come over to you every day and be like, "How's your day, Andy?" <laughs> Tell me about your weekend. What hey, you doing? Andy, sure. how's your day? Like I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I just wanted to walk past you and be like, like bump into you every day somehow, right? Oh, that yeah. was my goal. That's right. Okay. It was like, did I make contact on some level, whether it be Slack, in person, in the parking lot, about about all my designers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, sort of the realization that I had was like, I was I got to a point where I was good at that, I felt like. Um, but I was doing it with my own team, right? Yeah. But not cross-functionally with the other people that, I, the other team that I belong to. Yeah, man. So I was siloing myself and our team and not working with, you know, marketing, CS, mm -hmm. all that. So now I have to make the effort to do that same thing to the other people on the team, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, now my goal is to do that. Like, once a week, talk to one of these people, right? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great step. That's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful way to, like, <laughs> I don't know if calculated, <laughs> if it's as calculated as it needs to be, but I think it's a wonderful way to start something. Like, right, if you, and we've talked about this before, if you have trust with somebody, that's when the real work starts, right? Yeah. So if you can start to create a relationship with them, even if it starts out little, if you just say like a, a stupid little joke to them, you know, that's something, right? And you have a connection yeah. and then you go back and be like, remember that joke I said? And then you guys can talk about something, right? Then you have an inside joke because that's where real friendship is. Inside joke, yeah. That's like when, when that's like, um, you know, when your husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, mm -hmm. when they come to the company party. And they hate coming to company parties. Yeah, it's because they not they're not part of the inside jokes. That's right. Like you go to Top Golf as a company, and all the that's why it's like spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends always hate to come to company events because mm -hmm. you go to Top Golf and then you slice it and somebody goes, "That's a dinger," you know, or some dumb thing, and everybody laughs and they're just going, "Doesn't make sense to me." <laughs> but I think that's where that's where you get that relationship, right? Yeah. When you hit that point of where like. You have this connection that nobody else has, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that's when you've developed a relationship. Yeah, and I think it, I think it should be. I think I think designers should make. I'm trying to make an effort. I think other designers should too. Yeah, <laughs> but I think designers should like that would be. UX is something that even designers don't really understand, let alone trying to get somebody from CS or somebody from marketing or somebody from product. Yeah. To truly understand what your impact is. Because they're like, aren't you a graphic designer? Like, what do you do at the company, right? Yeah. 
Didn't you have somebody one time ask you, like, what's the difference between a graphic designer and a UX designer? Because yeah. they just had no idea. They just had no idea. Well, they thought I was a product manager, too. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, you're a designer? Well, what do you do? And you're like, never mind. Do you make the pictures for the app? Do <laughs> you make the pictures? Yeah, I make the pictures for the app. It's like asking Mike Brady what he does. Come on, man. There's a reference you should know, Andy, by the way. Why should I know that do you know, reference? Do you know who Mike Brady is? Is he a sports guy? Gosh. <laughs> Patrick. There are these things that the majority of the universe um, uses, consumes every day. Uh-huh. They're called televisions, Andy. I don't know if you know about this. I think I've heard about those. Um, yeah. Now you can hang them on your wall and stuff. Back in the day, you had like this stand, and you'd put them on a mm-hmm. stand. Then you come home from school, and then you'd flip it on, and they would play these things called reruns, which are television shows that were on 30 years ago that they're putting on in the afternoon to fill space and the time. Andy Griffith Show? Yeah. Okay. Or another classic, The Brady Bunch with Mike Brady, who you should know. Come on, man. I didn't watch The Brady Bunch. You didn't watch The Brady Bunch? No. I was too busy watching Seinfeld, and then after that, too cha- too lazy to change the channel because Mash was on. So that, that's as far back as I go. Mash. Okay, Mash. We can do Mash references a lot because I watched a lot of Mash growing up yeah. too. I hate that opening song. I was I was kind of a latchkey kid, Andy. So like, I know a lot about television from the well, that's good seventies and eighties. As you should. Mm-hmm. Or rebroadcast television reruns. Mm-hmm. Like, did you watch Different Strokes? No. Benson. No. Uh, Webster? No. Uh... <laughs> Let's see how long we what can do the, this. What the Fonz? You know the Fonz? Happy Days, man. Did you watch Happy Days? I know of it, but I never watched it. No. No? Mm-mm. That's a new... I'm going to add a topic under an assumed name about TV shows that Andy doesn't know. Good. And we're just going to list them all. That will be a riveting episode. You've never watched Happy Days? No. Not I... once. It's, I don't know it's possible, but I can't actually tell you anything about that show. I know nothing about it. I Love Lucy. I've seen some I Love Lucy. Leave it to Beaver. No, but I would like to. Yeah? Yeah. You shouldn't watch Leave it to Beaver. Why it's not? It's a horrible show. Is it horrible? It's a terrible show. Okay. It's all stereotypes and sexist and bad and horrible. Well, yeah, it was like the stuff. 50s, right? Yeah. The boomer's greatest generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was like the pinnacle for boomers. I was like, yeah, we did it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then millennials watch Mad Men and are like, okay, boomers, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, was there, what was the topic again? It was uh, cross-functional. I think, I, think it's, I think designers would do them. You know how everybody's like, okay, there's design, and then there's like UX design, and then there's like, designers should know business. Like mm-hmm. There's the big Twitter fight about should we understand business? Yeah. Should we understand whatever? And I think I think as designers you should understand your medium, which would be you need to understand kind of how things are built, right? Yeah. Like you can't be a good architect if you don't know what material the construction people use to build a freaking building. Yeah, you need to know the you basics. Like you have to actually have those conversations yeah. with developers and understand basically what's going on, right? Yeah. So you got to know <laughs> you got to know the difference between concrete and a brick and a piece of wood. Yeah. You don't maybe you don't know how to put them together, but you need to know what they're for. <laughs> right? You need to know the difference between like copper plumbing and like PVC plumbing. Okay. So you can make wise decisions when you're designing a building, right? Sure. Uh 
you also probably need to know when you're designing a building, like, who's going to be using it? And what is this for? Is this, like, going to be a giant empty space for lots of different companies? Uh-huh. Or is it going to be one company that's view- that's going to, that's gonna like, work here? Yeah. Because that could change how you design, say, the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Right? You maybe add more bathrooms. Or you do what we did here at this building, have one bathroom in the middle of every... <laughs> Every hallway, every every floor, and you have to share it with three different companies, which gets a little weird, right? Um, those influencing, so yes, a designer should like understand business practices for the industry they're in. Yes, they should understand the materials used to build what they're designing. They should also understand what other people are like on the job site, right? And know what their impact is. I'm gonna fight you a little bit on materials, Patrick. That analogy, I think it falls a little bit because, like, if I'm if I if I bring that analogy over to like us understanding code, like I don't need to understand what a for loop is to be able to design something. For no, it, no, right? no. Just like you don't need to know how two boards go together. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily need to be a good architect. Let's say, I don't need to know how to build a wall. I just need to know that we're using wood for this structural whatever versus okay. steel, right? Okay. Try to knock that down. <laughs> but the materials doesn't make sense, Patrick. What are the different things? Are you talking about like UI elements? Okay, so Andy, what are you're the materials designing, in your... Andy, you're designing you're designing a mobile interface uh-huh. for a native application, or you're designing a web application. That's what I mean. You need to learn the material you're using. That's not material. That's location, man. It's location. Yeah. That's like a job site. Yes. Am I building up on a hill, or am, I, or am I building down, down in the valley? Am I building on sand, or am I building on I'm rock? On a rock. <laughs> <laughs> am I building on a swamp, or am I building in an earthquake environment? I get you. I can go with that. That's probably more location. So maybe materials doesn't matter. I just think it. I just think it makes sense to at least know, right? Like maybe materials is more like I'm just getting hung up. We use React versus we use yeah, Angular. Yeah, I think that's, that might be use... it. it. It might be like um, you're using um, like if you're doing front end, like very front end stuff, which is which is just like CSS versus you're doing back end stuff, right? Yeah, those might mean materials. And I know I'm totally nitpicking right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to break your analogy for no reason. But maybe that's what materials are. Is like I'm I'm going to be using CSS. I'm using JavaScript. To build these yeah. things, right? Yeah, and you should you should understand like what the difference is between those. You don't have to understand how to use them, right? But yeah, wouldn't hurt to like you should, kind I of mean, be able to write a little bit of CSS. Yeah, because you can jump in the code, you inspect the code of your site, and see like what's what it's made out of, and change it. Yeah, you can make a small prototype using that, but you don't have to. But you don't have to. It's not required, right? Yeah. But you should at least understand the medium of what you're designing for. Yes, I totally agree with that. Sorry. If you're just you're wearing a kiln shirt, if you're designing pottery, and somebody else is gonna throw your pottery, this is horrible. I just wanted to, okay. I just wanted to point out that you're wearing a kiln shirt. Okay, thank you. Um, you want to understand the material <laughs> they're going to be putting in the kiln. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, what does that graphic on the kiln shirt mean? I don't know. Staring at your chest, it's like it's like a pink. Okay, imagine this. He's wearing like a navy blue shirt. And it's got like a box in the middle, like a rectangle. So it's 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 in the shape of a rectangle, but little triangles are cut away out of it. And it's like a it's like a uh, pinkish hue. 
Yes. Like a skin tone, like a Caucasian skin tone color. Yeah, I would yeah, say so. See, like, let's, like, let's hold it up to your arm. Yeah, I'm no, a little you, more white. Yeah, you are definitely. I'm more, more from the UK though, but like my knuckles here, they're a little bit pink and red because they're dry because I've been washing my hands three times a, thirty times a day. Okay, I was gonna say that three times isn't enough. Three times that was my old habit. Uh, and then you have kiln up the top, lowercase k i l n with a period. Yeah. Why the period, Andy? Why why do you think there's a period at the end of the logo? <laughs> Is it a sentence? Yeah, it is a sentence. It's like kiln, period. Yeah, it's like, this is it. This is it. It's just kiln. It's nothing else. There's nothing else that has to do with this design or like what this means. It's just kiln. Do you know who else does that? And I think it's bizarre. Redbox. Really? Yeah, if you look at the Redbox app or whatever, it says Redbox with a period. Hmm. And I'm like, what statement are they making other than their logo is unbalanced? That's These are the kind point. of questions that a designer should ask the rest of the of the team, right? Like, go over to marketing. Hey, we're thinking about marketing's thinking about putting a period on the logo, and you're like, well, but I need to know how to, I need to know what that means, right? As a designer or product designer, so I can add it into the app correctly. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just trying to circle this back onto the real original topic. I think it's true, Patrick. I, think, <laughs> I, I have no idea what the period means, and I think those teams should have been talking to each other, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, when when somebody's trying to sell Redbox as a product or something, <laughs> or someone's trying to sell Kiln, and they're they're ta- they're they're talking to their customers like, why do you have a period? So yeah. should know what marketing was thinking. I'm trying to. Here, I'm gonna pull up Redbox. <laughs> I've never noticed this. Are you Look sure how off balance the logo is because of that period. You remove that period, slide that thing over. Hmm. Now your splash page is nice, right? They could at least put the little like TM inside the period. <laughs> inside the period. Yeah, that would have been cool, actually. It would have been a good use of space. The smarter way to watch and play. That doesn't make sense. It's Redbox. It's not smarter. It's not smarter. It's because if you miss by a minute, you pay four bucks for that thing. That's not smart. And if you just pay for streaming services, you're you're fine, right? Yeah. Have you seen Knives Out? Yes. Is it good? It's wonderful. It's really good. It was one it's, of my top five. It's on my recommended. Five. Looks on my recommended. It was one of my top five by one of your favorite directors, Patrick. What? Ryan Johnson. Who's Ryan Johnson? <laughs> he's he's the guy who directed your favorite Star Wars movie. Oh no, I can't go see this then. He did a great job. Oh, Ryan Johnson spelled wrong. R I A N. Yeah. Yep, that's him. Um, that is. He, a, that's the one. Does he make people float in space? In Knives Out? No. Oh. Unless there's a deleted scene somewhere. Is there... Unless there's deleted Is there continuity errors throughout the entire movie? No? no? I actually wow. think he's a great director. And he did what a else? wonderful job with that movie. What else did he do? He did Looper. You ever seen that? Yeah, that one's that doesn't have that many continuity errors. <laughs> that one should be full of continuity errors. It's a time travel I know, thing. right? How did he get that right and then just, like, you didn't even need, con- like, you don't even need continuity in Star Wars. It's Star Wars for hell's sakes. How do you have, how do you, ha- how do you write, well, maybe it's not him. He's directing. He's not writing. He did, he's a writer too. Did yeah. he write the Star Wars one? I think he did. But you know what, Patrick? After, I don't, I didn't want to get into this, but I'm going to. Okay, bring it in. After seeing this most recent Star Wars, what's it even called? The last... The Rise final, of Skywalker. The final Skywalker Jedi. The final Skywalker Jedi. I actually 
really liked what Ryan Johnson was doing with Star Wars way better than the way it was ended. I like it way better. Okay, first of all, before we get into this... And I was taking the, the whatever, he, The Last Jedi for granted. Did, we're done with talking about Matt's topic. Are right? we done, though? Should, was that a good I answer? Think, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a real practical answer, but I think, I think I don't know, my answer is, is yes, I think designers and PMs probably work hand-in-hand. Hand, mm-hmm. Um, together, you know, like uh, another movie, the other the other guys, where The Rock and Samuel Jackson hand, hold hands, jump off that jump off that thing, <laughs> aim for the bushes, <laughs> they splat on the ground. Spoiler alert. Um, I think that's the way we should work as PM with PM with our teams, mm-hmm. and I think we should be facilitating that cross functional relationship, like yeah. promoting customer value, because we're the ones that are supposed to understand what the customer value is. Yes. Right, together, linking arm in arm, design and business together. You can go to development and say, "Okay, let's do this. Let's let's add more time. It's going to take us more time to deliver that customer value, mm-hmm. but we should do it because it's important." Yeah. We go over to CS and talk about we're adding this feature, blah blah blah. How is this going to impact you guys? Like, hopefully, this will help you so you don't you get less calls or you know less calls about this weird experience that's inside the application you go to marketing and you talk about it i think it's i think it's our responsibility i think it's required the other part of that though i don't think is our responsibility to not to like unify i don't think that's our responsibility yeah because that's like a whole other job description right yeah i think that's more of an operations or or sure. if anything like a pm pm and thing he has one final question here is and we kind of talked about this, but who are the best folks to partner with to do this? So, I mean, my first answer to that is like, um, and this might not be the most effective, but you want to partner with whoever will listen first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I think you're, you you need to find out because this is I think it's going to be different based on wherever your organization is and how it's laid out. Um, but you you need to slowly find out who that person is. Yeah. Um, so maybe start with whoever will listen and then find out who, who's the decision maker. Um, and then you can help them make decisions based on that, that user knowledge that you have. Yeah. Well, we know it's hard to partner with everyone because like there's just too many people. Yeah. Like you're not going to, if you're in a big company, you can't go to like 350 developers and like be buddies with all of them. Maybe you can. Maybe I feel like if you're doing that, maybe you're not designing at all. You don't have enough time to design, right? Yeah. I think depending on, yeah, like you talked about, depending on the organizational structure, depending on how it happens, you know, you're going to have a representative from all of these other places. A lot of times it's either a manager or director, right? Yeah. Um, but there could be other people in each one of those departments that sort of understands the department and their goals. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not a director, maybe it's not a manager, maybe it's not that person, but it's somebody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think you just need to kind of discover that and it depends on the organization. Yeah. And I think if, if you can't, you know, get time with a manager or director, you could start lower, right? You could start with somebody and create a relationship with them who can then maybe help you have a relationship with the director, you know, like kind of work your way up the ladder. Um, that's that's my suggestion for that. You need to find a consigliere in every, in every... In every department. Yeah. Right? Your right hand in every department. Uh-huh. Over to Margie, you just gotta find one person over there that's that's like yeah. the, that you can get to know, that you can that, that you can build trust 
and then you can get your your information from right that's right you need to have little birds yeah if you're game of thrones i'm just i'm throwing a bunch of references out there these are all tv things or movies i know you don't know anything about them so (laughs) (laughs) and you would know you would know consigliere you were in the mob for a while i was yeah so i got some time (laughs) yeah you're in the Sandy Mob, the Sandy Utah Mob. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 What, what was the name of that mob again? I'm not supposed to tell you, Patrick. Was it the Pirellis, <laughs> something like that? Or was that a Goonies? Was was Goonies Pirellis? It sounds right. Or something like that. <laughs> Trinzi Ellies or something. It ended with Ellies. Yeah, like they all do. Like <laughs> every mob, every Italian mob. I didn't think we would ever get to a point where we are talking about mob, mobsters in the podcast, because I don't want that kind of, I don't know if I'm going to get an email later from some guy named yeah. Guido. Named Guido? Yeah. Because he's, it's Fratelli. Fratelli, that's what it was. Yeah. Pirelli is a type of tire, I believe. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think that answers it, Patrick. I mean, I guess we could obviously go deeper. Okay, you want to go deeper? No, not right now. <laughs> I do want to go back though, real quick, if you got time. Yeah. To ask you about the Star Wars thing now, because I'm now I'm really interested. Okay. Because we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You know how much we've talked about on the podcast how much I hated that movie that yes. Ryan Johnson directed and apparently wrote with with the Mary Poppins scene, the horrible dancing fight scene with the red curtain behind it. Uh, the continuity errors, the fact that two spaceships are in space slowly chasing each other for no reason at all. Sure. And then that whole side thing that wound up not collecting anything. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. So tell me how how now after watching The Last Jedi, the Jedi Skywalker, whatever the hell the last movie was called, because mm-hmm. they're all called the same thing. It's like episode 27. But in, in 2078... When they make the 27th episode of Star Wars, when Disney puts it out, mm-hmm. it's going to be Star Wars episode 28 or 72 or whatever I just said. <laughs> it's going to be called The Last Jedi Emperor or something. It's going to be called the same thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're just going to reorder. You you said that after watching that movie, now you appreciate what Ryan Johnson was doing. Yes. Okay, now let's explain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's see if I can articulate this well. <sighs> so... What Ryan Johnson was doing that was good is he was taking Star Wars someplace new. What the the best part about what he was doing is he was going the route of kind of democratizing the force where it wasn't just a story about one family, the Skywalkers and how they fought the bad guys just over and over and did the same thing over and over. It was actually changing. Like Ray was going to be, if you know, if if J.J. Abrams would have like followed that that timeline, Ray would have been a new type of Jedi, um, and there were other people that were like like force sensitive that would have been like you know the little kid at the end of that movie who was holding the little broomstick yeah. could have been another Jedi, yeah. and it wasn't just like oh no it's a bloodline thing. Didn't he make the Didn't he make the like the broom float or something? He, he picked it up. He just like yeah. stuck his hand out and the broom came up to him. Yeah. And so, like, he was actually, like... I think making... that was more of a reference to Mary Poppins. Oh, you do? There was a lot of Mary Poppins references in that movie. 
Which is a good idea, Patrick. More movies should I'm reference Mary Poppins. I'm surprised you saw Mary Poppins because it was made before you were born, so I'm shocked. I saw, saw that, that a million times. Yeah, it is Disney. It was so, a Disney yeah. movie, yeah. So, I like that, though. I like. I did like that. Like, at the end when the kid did that, I was like, cool. Yeah. I was like, like there's something new is going to happen yeah. in Star Wars. Like, the new generation of Star Wars is going to happen now. Yeah. And instead, what J.J. Abrams did is he took everything that Ryan Johnson did and threw it in the trash and he literally like called him out like in the movie like yeah like just did all the opposite of what Ryan Johnson was doing. He went doing. on a Goonies adventure. That's what that reminded me of. <laughs> he did go on a Goonies adventure. They go adventure. on a Goonies adventure to undo the last movie and then start <laughs> exactly. the new movie, right? Cuz that whole adventure where they're like they're like the crew gets together, the team gets together uh-huh. and they're like the 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 thing that was despicable that was like insulting to me was when they go to the edge of the thing where the Death Star crashed. Uh-huh. And they have to, like, line up the key. That was literally from Goonies. Like, yeah. they were fighting the Fratellis at that point, Exactly, right? which made no sense in Star Wars and, movie for so many reasons. Yeah. And if she took one... If she just moved one inch to the left, <laughs> wouldn't happen. Well, she was standing on the X, right? What she found on the treasure map, which Must X been, marks yeah. the spot. Must have been. And I don't know if you remember, The Last Jedi, Patrick, when you saw... This, that that very Death Star blew up. Mm-hmm. It didn't like blow up into like giant chunks that fell into the moon. It blew up entirely. Like it yeah. was like atomized. It wasn't. It yeah, didn't it exist anymore. It was gone. But there it was, right? And yeah. somebody <laughs> took this really old knife and carved it out in this perfect place. So it was. And then they brought back the Emperor. Like, and what what has he been doing? Like. He's just been like hanging he's been out. Hiding out in that secret he's, place. He's been hiding out in that secret place that was yeah. also atomized, and he's just been controlling everything from there. Um, that wasn't very satisfying. And then they had the same exact scene. What what I was thinking, I had a lot of empathy for Palpatine at the very end when you know, if you've seen the Last Jedi, where they're in like the throne room and he opens up the ceiling, is like your friends are gonna die. Join me, mm-hmm. and I'll make sure they don't die. And then I was wondering, like, when this exact same thing took place in this movie, didn't he ever take one second and go, like, wait, this exact thing, the exact same thing happened before, and I know what's going to happen. The good guy's (laughs) going to kill me at the end. What should I do about this? He's like, like, hold on, wait a second. Last time this happened. This is deja vu, right? Yeah, but he's a boomer. He doesn't learn from his mistakes, man. Oh, he's way more he's than a boomer. Millennial. I like what you're saying, though. Ryan Johnson's trying to bring it, trying to trying to expand the universe. Yes. And JJ is did... just like, bro, we need to make money. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the original formula, even if it's flawed, where there's two families fighting and everybody else is just in the fray. Yeah. Yeah. And there was just there's just nothing to that story that was appealing, and there's a lot of it that didn't make sense. Like, why did she go at the very end? Why did she go all the way back to Tatooine? A planet that she knows nothing about. That Luke left hating that planet. It wasn't really like his home. Well, he wanted out. He wanted to leave that planet. Yeah. And so she goes and, and buries their stuff and says, "I'm a Skywalker." Um, yeah, I don't even remember. I I think that movie, in my in my opinion, that movie was worse than Last Jedi. Really? Yeah, I didn't like. Yeah, that movie it was much. the worst of the three. The very first that JJ made, which was. Which I'll say which was just a new hope. Which was a new hope. Yeah. He did a really good job at balancing new things and old things. And he like he brought like the magic of Star Wars. Like in terms of a reboot, I thought that was a wonderful film. Yeah. And then Ryan's he like skipped we talked about this before. Uh-huh. Star Wars was boomers, right? And then he 
he made it for the millennials. Yeah, and didn't give didn't give me any Star Wars. Who guess <laughs> guess what Gen X? Guess what Star Wars Gen X had, Andy? <laughs> you guys, we had prequels. That's what we you had. had. Prequels, yeah. You guys had it rough. We had the shittiest versions. <laughs> I mean, the last the last two movies were more, in my my opinion, bad, but not that bad. Yeah. The prequels were unwatchable. Seeing it though for the f- the first one, episode one, for the first time in theaters was awesome. I remember loving. Yeah, it. I was I a, I was going. a I was a young boy, you know. I remember but going and great. seeing those. I remember going and seeing the re-release because I never saw. I saw Return of the Jedi when I was a little kid in uh-huh. the movie theaters, but I never saw the other two because I wasn't born then. Yeah. Uh, well, they were seventy-eight. I think is when I was. That's when I was born. That's when they came out. So like, I was I was a baby. I don't know. Maybe my mom took me. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, um, I remember seeing when they did the they did the reimagined originals. You know, like the episode four, five, and six when they yeah. put those in theaters. I remember how cool that was. But yeah. I don't remember. I didn't see. The, I don't think I saw the prequels in the theater. I think we just saw them after. I think, I think I saw them after, and they were just it was just a disaster. Like, how do you write it? How do you? What are the, the Phantom Menace started out with a. With a trade embargo conflict. Mm-hmm. When I've when I've tried to show this to my kids, they're like, <laughs> "What is going on?" And I'm like trying to explain to my wife, "What is going on?" <laughs> so I have to like explain. And, and the whole entire time, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I can I can kind of agree with you. I still think the Ryan Johnson movie, The Last Jedi, was a horrible movie in production value, but I do hmm. like. I do like what you're talking about trying to expand because if that you know the little side gig where they they let the creatures out and they run through and they have the whole thing yeah if that did pay off where other people we found out that other people had the force and could develop the force and connect with the force yes that would pay off that scene yes that would pay off all of it absolutely but it didn't pay off that's why it's that's why it's like not good mm-hmm. right it was the opposite of paid off. It was like, not the opposite of paid off. It was like worse than paid off. It was like, like kind of thrown in the garbage. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. It was know. just a waste. It was a waste. So I, this, this last Star Wars wasn't great for me at all. And that's fine. They can make, they can do what they want with Star Wars. They don't, it doesn't have to be like what I want. But if you're asking me. Yeah, the last one wasn't good. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it from the sense that I thought it was better written. Like, like I didn't notice plot holes. Mm-hmm. But it was ridiculous. It was like, okay, I get it. Like, you're going on a Goonies adventure. <laughs> That's pretty stupid. Like, those things were dumb. Yeah. Um, but it didn't have, like, the, the poor production value as the last one. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with the production value. Dude, when the, the, choreogra- the, the choreographed fight scene is the worst. <laughs> I think so. It was that Dude, bad? No, that was horrible. Go back and rewatch it. You can tell they're in front of a blue, like a curtain, yeah. and you can tell they're like they take a pause, <laughs> and they they both like pause, and then okay, now next step, guys, and then they go back into it. <clears throat> it's like what was that? It's like it's like they were doing Zumba instead of fighting or something. It was very choreographed. And then they're all choreographed. And then when they go to the salt planet, right? This is one of my big beefs. When they go to the salt planet, the, the whole idea is that they're trapped in this rock with no way out. <clears throat> but then during the fight, you find out there's 13 different ways out. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the kind of stuff that bothered me. 
in that movie. I know it's Star Wars, and it's, like, unbelievable, but, like, come on, make it a little bit, like... Yeah, I, I don't agree. There was, some, there was some weird stuff. I, I agree with that, but I think, yeah. like, the overall premise and, like, where he was going with it, that's what I'm down for. It makes sense. It yeah. makes sense what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You won me over, Andy. Good. So I think our podcast is over. I now. think so, Patrick. Okay. Bye. Bye, Andy. <laughs> Bye, Patrick. <laughs>